Yo, yo, yo. Hey, Keith, what's up? What's up, man? So, we are live on the Get Your Some Productions podcast, episode 45. Is that what I said? Yeah, 45. Yeah, great. Um, so, Get Your Some Productions podcast. This is a podcast covering all things related to music production, from the first note to the last fan and everything in between. We create music constantly and seek to inspire others to do the same. Every episode is typically a business meeting, a live business meeting, uh, candid between my partner Dan and I, but we have a regular special guest named Justin who's on the podcast today. And he's, been on, he's been on many episodes. Um, and we're basically just trying to build a media empire uh, right before your very eyes and ears in full public view. Every success, every failure, no, no, uh, no punches pulled in this thing. Um, today we're continuing on a theme that we've been going on. It's uh, our book club, which Justin actually helped us name. Uh, so the book club is uh, essentially we read a book and we discuss it chapter by chapter like a book club. Uh, you can buy the book from us through the link in the description. It's an affiliate link through Amazon.com. And if you want to follow along and read along with us, you can go buy the book and then uh, read. We're only up to chapter three. So uh, you can you can catch up quite easily. It's a quick read. Um, we will also post links to Justin's projects. Uh, we've been posting, we've been including links in all of our descriptions to Justin's um, musical project on Bandcamp, Blank Baby, and we have been including links to his Apothecary. Dirty Dude Apothecary. So we're going to include links for that, like we um, always do. I'm also reviving my first brand that I had put down for a while, Wurtz All Natural. Uh, it's, oh. it's a beard oil brand straight up, and uh, I've just gotten too many requests to bring it back. So uh, let's put that one up too. Great. Yeah, so just hit me with the link, and I'll just – or it's, is it WurtzAllNatural.com? Uh, WurtzNatural.com. WurtzNatural. Okay. So, uh, yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so, yeah, so today we're doing Chapter 3. Um, and actually, you know what I want to do is I want to just put a timer on because we keep them to 30 minutes. Yeah, let's do that. So I just want to... Yeah. This is one of my favorite times uh, times of the week when we get together to do this. It's kind of like, you know, you know that show The View? I feel like we're just like getting together like them and like gabbing away and you know we go on for a pretty long time. Dude, I listened to the I just dropped today uh I don't know what actually what day it is, Sunday, but I just dropped the podcast where we asked each other the questions. Oh yeah. And it was like yeah, that was like an hour long podcast, but I listened to it uh yesterday when I was doing the show notes and I just dropped it today and it was we got into a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of questions, you know. It was just too much to talk about to cut it short. Yeah, yeah. 
So, but uh, this episode will be much shorter because this this chapter is actually really uh, quite concise in a way. Um, yeah, I would. Totally. It's not concise. It can be described in a concise way, but it's actually a ton ton of data in it. Uh, chapter three, and I'll just say, let me just start off by saying. This is the book Unlocking Creativity. I didn't even mention that. Unlocking Creativity by Michael Beinhorn. And the, um, the subtitle is A Producer's Guide to Making Music and Art. And we're doing Chapter 3. And Chapter 3 is one of the stages called Preliminary Pre-Production. Um, to give a little bit of a background, this guy Michael Beinhorn has a multi-step process to producing artists, producing music that involves in-depth pre-work. So the chapter two is called prep work. Let me see. Yeah, chapter two is called prep work. Chapter three is called preliminary pre-production. And I'm guessing four is going to be pre-production. So uh, so, so like we did last time, do you want to jump in with something or I have some underlying stuff as well? Um, I mean, yeah, I've, I don't really have, I honestly don't have too much underlying, just kind of like, you know, I really, you know, he describes what it is, which we've kind of described already in previous episodes. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's got, he's got, he's got this list of goals, just 12 goals. And I don't know if we should really just go ahead and, and read them. They're all fantastic. Yeah. Goals. Okay. So, yeah. So, actually, let me – so, I that was going to be the second or third thing I think we should do. Okay. Because um, I do think we should, just in case somebody tunes in just in this um, – just to this episode and doesn't listen to prior, prior episodes, mm-hmm. we should say that pre the prep work chapter is actually questions that you ask an artist – when you begin to engage them. So the prior chapter is just a bunch of questions and a process for engaging an artist. And it's really an interview process where you talk. You, it's, it's pretty in-depth. So if you want to go back an episode and listen to that, that's fine. Or if you want to get the book and read it, I totally suggest that. But chapter three is preliminary pre-production. So I'm just going to read what I underline because it, it's what he describes. Okay. Um, preliminary pre-production is the phase of a project when the artist and I begin to develop our relationship and establish the foundation of our creative collaboration. I think of preliminary pre-production as adding some extra reinforcement to the foundation of the building, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, this is also the phase of a recording project when the artist and I start to work intently on the artist's songs, both as a team and separately. So this is like digging in to, um, the this is like pr- prior to recording anything um this is like digging into the raw material and really i guess honing it in a sense honing the the, the craft and making sure everything is ready to be recorded in a sense so yes yeah, so the next thing i did is i just put a little star next to goals to be achieved um you we can read them or not what do you think um yeah, maybe we'll skim them and, and just bring them up real quick. I think it's pretty vital to the chapter. But I just do want to add one thing. I, I caught this too. Uh, I didn't underline it, but uh, the importance is really resonating with me now how the songwriter and the producer will work together. 
and separately. And I mm-hmm. think that comes full circle if we get to talk about the example dialogues in the end, because mm-hmm. I think, you know, I mean, when you're working with someone, uh, I think it's easy for you to influence each other's, I think your energy can influence uh, or bias your, your opinions and your clarity on, on some things. So uh, also, I just think it's good to, you know, especially when you're listening to songs, do it in a couple different environments. Listen to it in your car while driving, or, you know, while you're going for a run, or maybe you listen to it with uh, someone you're very close with, too, that, you know, is interested in this stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think it's important. And just, I think it speaks to the depth of, you really are committing yourself and living inside this when you're taking the time. It's not like, you know, usually with your day job, you go to work. Once you leave, it's like, okay, I'm done thinking about it. But this is, uh, is the life and this is the art of the craft, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I agree with that. I think that, um, it, I think that listening to it in different, uh, environments is good and listening to it with other people also is kind of good. Because sometimes you listen to something by yourself and you don't, I guess, you can, you can be in your own world in a little way, you know? And so when you have another person who's there, sometimes it, it's like when you, it's like when you don't play a song live and then you sit to, you play it for yourself a million times and then you play it live and then it's like that one line or the one section jumps out at you. It's like, wait a minute. Now that I'm now that other human beings are listening to this, I'm realizing that I can't say that, or this yeah, has to be shorter. You become like hypercritical in a completely different way when you play your song, whether it's live or a recording for a group of people, than you do, you know, you know, maybe you play for your best friend or someone who like understands you and and it, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, and but I will say that it, I think it's important to really do the song and get it solid by yourself as much as you can before you bring it into that environment because you want to like be true to your your vision before you let like alien ears um you know cloud your thinking and influence your like vision because i I also think like you you want to have the courage you want to you want to let your vision blossom and solidify to a certain extent so that you have the courage to say something new rather than play it for some other person right away and then, you know, feel embarrassed and then like, you know, uh, uh, maybe change something that, you know, you, you really should have just stuck with because, but it was different than you might've like, I don't know, had a little bit too much of a self-conscious moment too early in the writing process. I think we are going on. We we do often go on tangents, and I think I just did go on one. But <laughs> yeah, let's get to the goals. So, um, I actually don't think we need to read all the goals. No, not all of them. But I, I um, think I think one one um, one uh, what's the like one theme that runs through a lot of them is getting the artist's true intent across. Like, what was the artist? Is is that getting across? And um, 
I don't know, I think that runs through a lot of the goals. Yeah. Like yeah. through the performance, through the message, through the freezing, through the dynamics, through the orchestration, you know, everything leads to, to getting the artist's true intent and the artist's, uh, I think we already talked about it, but like getting, he talks about setting a benchmark. What's the worst thing an artist does and what's mm-hmm. like the best thing that he, he does or she does um, so that they have that as a reference where it's like, hey, you know, we already set the bar here. Like, does this song really, you know, hit a home run? Are we hitting the bar with this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, the goals to be achieved are like a list of um, things that have to be set before you even start pre-production. And a lot of it does have to do with, like, understanding the artist, understanding the artist's vision, Mm -hmm. understanding the artist's music, their strengths and weaknesses, and then then having the songs tightened up, having an orchestration in mind, you know, having having the arrangements set, making sure the lyrics are ready to go. Like, you know, it's sort of like this is like a checklist to make sure you're 100, 100% ready. Mm. Um, and then when, so the, what I thought was interesting about this chapter was not, that list is interesting. And I actually think like we've discussed this before. This book is, doesn't read like a textbook because it reads like um, he writes it in a very conversational style, much of it. So it doesn't read like a textbook. You can read through it and you can really blow through it very quickly. And that will actually almost, you know, do a disservice to the raw, like, the sheer amount of detail in it. Um, because you could spend an hour just on one page in this book because um, there's just so much information. Like, the rest of this chapter, starting on page 33, is... He has a section, question, criteria and questions I pose to myself when listening to the artist's music. Mm. And there's subtitles, song analysis, song structure. Here's something to keep in mind. But the song analysis section has a list of 10 or so questions that you ask yourself while you're listening to the song. And each one of these questions brings up... Um, brings up aspects of songwriting that you're going to want to revisit critically as you're listening to an artist's song and while you're refining them prior to the recording process. And likewise, for song structure, he has a list of questions that he he asks himself when he's listening to the songs, and each one is meant to bring out of you the realization of, like, what does or does not need to be done to these songs to make them perfect prior to recording prior to even like this is a this part of the process is not just prior to recording this is prior to intense rehearsal in preparation for recording right so this is like that's why it's called preliminary pre-production pre-production would be rehearsal (laughs) you know this is before you even rehearse the songs. This is like sort of dissecting them this is the in a first way. Edit. 
right? Because it's like garbage in, garbage out, you know? Yeah, it's like the first edit, you know? Yeah. Like this is basically the bones are down. Now it's time to, uh, you know, first edit. How are we going to refine it? Yeah. So so I, what I did want to go over is just the, like each of the titles, like the headings. So the first yeah. heading was criteria and questions I posed to myself when listening to the artist's music. And it's just like a, this is just like a crash course on how to listen, how to listen to music um, critically. The next section is song orchestration. So this is like after, this is after you've gone through and you have the song, the lyrics are perfect. The structure is perfect. Like, is it A-A-B-A? Is it verse, chorus, verse, chorus? Is there a bridge? Is there no bridge? Are the chords right? All this junk, you know? Do the lyrics fit the chords? Do the chords fit the lyrics? All this yada, yada, yada. Then you get to orchestration. Should it just be one person on a guitar or one person in the piano? Or should it be, you know, full band or, you know? Like, it's, it's really building everything up very systematically and slowly in a way. If you were if you were to really truly go through each of these questions and carefully consider each one as you're going through the songs, you know, uh, I have an idea. What's up? I think next podcast instead of moving on to chapter four, you should pick a song and like you know follow this method just for listening, right? And this is you know any song, not one of your songs. It could be any song that you you like, and and just. Uh, and then you should just talk about what you uncovered using his guiding questions, and I'll do the same. That's a good idea. I actually had a similar thought. I thought that when we get to, to the end of the book, mm-hmm. we can each pick a song that we want to produce a single for. Sure. And, and do this entire process just for one song. That's a cool idea, too. And just put out I, – I got an email on my um, – I got it like an automated email from CD baby saying the seven singles you should put out in 2021. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know what? I am such an album oriented person, but I shouldn't, I should stop being so, you know, stuck in my ways or headstrong about it, you know, or, or resistant to change and just put out a single. Hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, why not? Anyway, but I do. Think I love the good fact idea. That, you know, I think uh, I I love um, albums that have some sort of running theme. You know, so. But you know, you can just do. I'm sure you have a song that doesn't fit like a theme that you would like to put out. So just go for one of those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. I do have a song called the Christmas song. That if I go. start working on it now, <laughs> you know, it might be ready. I, actually, maybe it wouldn't even. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I do think that's a good idea. Do you, I'm willing to try that. I think, um, should we pick one song and just yeah. do the song analysis section? So page 33 and 34? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to pick like a popular song. So anyone who uh, listens has a reference point. You know, it won't be, um, yeah. Because, I mean, it could be like a, a song that you're like, I listened to it and it was like, had all these awesome things. Or like, you know, there's plenty of songs where I study them now and I'm like, I would have done something different, or I thought this was lacking, you know? So Yeah, that's a good idea. 
I'm going to make someone else pick the song for me. Do you think that we should pick the same song? Uh, I don't know. I can't decide. Maybe, but I don't think so. Okay. Let's put that on the back table. The, the good thing about these podcasts is that a lot of times I, um, I don't remember what we said we we're going to do, but <laughs> the very fact that of having recorded the podcast and having to listen to it again to do the show notes. Um, and then it comes into my feed and I end up listening to it the second or third time um, is sort of like cementing what we say we're going to do. <laughs> so I'll probably remind you at some point too. I, I think I'll do one of my own songs because I uh-huh. do, I do want to, um, I do want to start working on them in general. Yeah. So maybe I'll do that song. No, I'll do one that's like mostly finished so I can have, actually have something to like work with. But okay. but it doesn't matter. And if I have to put it, something on YouTube just for people to reference, then that's all. That's easy enough. I'm going to um, be popular. And I don't know if it'll be a masterpiece or a dud, but it'll still be yeah. a popular song. You know, that that reminds me, and just this is just for our own, um, just for like putting it down on in, for posterity and out into the into the interwebs um but you know we said we we're going to make a list of the greatest songs ever written or something or like the the, mas- the greatest masterpieces of songwriting but we had discussed that one time you and me and, yeah i think we had shot emails back and forth like what do you i think you asked me like what the, what's the greatest song ever written or what do you think yeah. is a masterpiece or something uh no i just i was i was studying um like uh, lyric forms, uh-huh. like what are your like what are some of your favorite songs? Oh, is that what you're talking about? Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. Um, list, man, and it's very it would be a very opinionated list. Well, of course, yeah. Well, I'm just curious to see like what people's lists are, and I've looked up like greatest songs of all time, and I think they're mostly bull crap, you know. They're not, <laughs> But I would like to see if it exists, like somebody who really compiled a thoughtful list of the greatest songs ever written with good reasons, mm. you know, for reference, because I'd love to, you know, check that out. Um, but anyway, just something that popped into my head and I wanted to record. Let's move on, because he goes on to, um, on page 37, he has, so wait, wait he has this one section song orchestration. He has a list, you know, 10 or probably 20 questions about orchestration, um, which you would ask yourself and thoughtfully think about um, and, you know, use that, these questions as guiding questions to develop effective orchestrations for the songs. Moving on, vocals. Oh, actually, by the way, just Stop me if you have if you get a thought about any of these. But um, no, um, no, I think because he does ask so many questions, so I think the best way to just kind of talk about it is, like I said, through a song. So yeah, keep going. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, then he goes on to vocals, and same thing. It's a list of questions. There's fewer here. Uh, then he goes. Oh, and then so that's the section with all the questions. Then he has a hypothetical dialogue regarding song modification which he has a couple of them. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He has a, he has a hypothetical dialogue regarding song 
modification, and then he has another dialogue regarding preliminary pre-production. Now, you said you wanted to talk about these a little bit. Oh, yeah, I didn't even realize the subtitles that, I mean, just, I just read through them, and one of them, it, it, the one of them, I mean, for me, I, uh, he goes on to, like, in later chapters, and really tries to describe how to talk to an artist, you know? And I really think you have to be, like, uh almost like a uh, psychiatrist in a way or like, you know, like a counselor in a way. Uh, mm-hmm. when, and you have to like be very manipulative almost, but not really because you're not trying to make them, you're not manipulating someone to do something for your benefit. You just want them to get on board with the potential that, you know, and he is the producer. He's supposed to be like the, the knowing all wise, you know, uh, uh, plethora of knowledge, right? So, like, you should be able to trust his judgment. So it's just about getting people on board. And then you've got one dialogue where it's pretty much like the guy goes along pretty easy uh, with, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, he does, like, the compliment sandwich. Like, that's a bit an easy one. That's an easy way to describe it. Ah, <laughs> that one is really great. Thanks. I think it has a lot of potential. Yeah, it does. And then right away, but it does, you know, there's this and there's that. And, um, uh, where is it? Let me just review it. Uh, oh yeah. And this, you know, I've done this and this is an easy one. Sometimes, uh, people like to write a lot of parts in their songs. And, you know, sometimes you can just hear someone's song and be like, well, that, part right there is like you know it's a throwaway part but actually it's so cool like did you ever think about using it in another song and i've said this to people like a bunch of times and like have done this with uh-huh. my own a bunch of times and <clears throat> this is exactly as easy as that but in the second dialogue he goes on and the the artist is really like feeling it so he's like, so, you know, I've got, I think we've got all we need. And, you know, very softly, Beinhorn is like, but you're not quite there yet. Like immediately challenging and starting the conversation. And the artist questions it right away. Well, like, what do you mean? We're done. Like, you know, I'm, I, I got my costumes picked out. I love, you know, I feel awesome when I sing this song. You know, he doesn't even realize it yet. But. You know, this is where all this other all this other prep work really comes into play, and he's able to uh, remind the artist of like the bar that they set. Set. Um, you know, he's just able to say, "You have more in you, and you know that." Like we went over all this other stuff prior to this, and like you already know that you've written stuff like this, and you know he's able to compare. You know, at this point, he's able to compare one piece to another. Um, and then I love it that he gives the scenario where the artist kind of, uh, uh, takes a step back and admits, well, maybe I'm stuck, you know, like, this is it. Like, I don't, I don't have, I don't feel like I have any more to give. And then he goes over all these cool, uh, uh, suggestions like, um, I mean, the questions he asks are real good. 
Well, he writes, he, he, yes. Well, what, what's, what motivates you when you write? What inspires you? Why uh-huh. are you doing this? And the guy's like, well, you know, I'm just trying to write stuff that my fans are really going to like. And I just like the way he doesn't say, stop doing that, or that's your problem. He says, maybe, <laughs> maybe, like, you know, that could be a mistake. Like, let's think about it. And um, kind of really just gets the argument, You, how do you know what your fans like? You know every single one of your fans. And, like, I guess immediately when I was reading it and I and he said, I just want to create what my fans like, it's kind of like, but there's potential to have even more fans because it's true. You don't know what the fans, and even the fans that you do like, their tastes are evolving all the time, I would hope. And, um, uh-huh. it, you know, it's like, and how about, is a variance just for your own sanity. You know, it's like uh, you would think that if someone's at this point that they have, you know, they, they're, they're at a point, but they probably have, like, another level that they want to, are open to getting to, you know, or, like, another place that I shouldn't even say level. They're at another place. They are at a, they have, there's room for, for something else, you know. I'm not even saying more or better, but there's most likely room for something else. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, anyway. You know, so, yeah, I... I'm glad, sorry to cut you off. I, I actually, I'm glad you brought up these dialogues because I have been glossing. So there's a dialogue in like almost every chapter, right? Um, yeah, it was a couple Maybe. so far, not every chapter. Yeah, so there have been a few dialogues. Maybe only one. Maybe this is the second. This is like the second, but this is actually, this. even though it's the second dialogue, there's two separate dialogues in here. One was about songwriting. No, I'm sorry. One One was about songwriting. And one was about, um, yeah, they were both about songwriting, but there's two different approaches, I guess. Well, I think and, yeah, one, is, one is more global. One is about, like, a particular, some isolated incident, right, the particular right, song. Right. And now he's got to convince the artist that, like, dude, we got to set the, you know, we got to set the bar higher. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is like um, his, so, the, so I, I actually, I think, so I spent a lot of time thinking about these dialogues because um, the dialogues are very specific scenarios. There's a lot of generalities in the book because there's a lot of, the book is actually a lot of questions. There's tons of questions, but no answers in a way. Um, So, but they're really thought provoking and they definitely lead you. They're questions that lead you down a path to, you know, hopefully greater artistry. Right. But then he has these dialogues that address very, very specific uh, scenarios. And part of me is like, okay, well, he either selected this scenario because he thought this particular scenario was a really informative Um, or important one or maybe a common one. Right. Um, But I don't I don't necessarily want to get into the fact that he gets into the to the, um, I don't necessarily want to get into the specific scenarios as much, um, or uh, not that I don't want to get into it, but what actually interests me more is like what you said initially was that was when he said, um, when the way he phrases things, and I think that's what he means to illustrate in a way is that there is a balance, 
you don't want to – there is a balance, like you said, the compliment sandwich. He has, like, different techniques for suggesting um, different approaches, and sometimes they're more direct than others. But ultimately, um, they are – they're couched in some kind of complementary conversation in general. But – he does not beat around the bush, is what I noticed about, right? Yeah. He's very, very clear about, you know, like what needs to be changed or what needs to be improved. And I think that maybe, like for me, I think that's sort of illustrative in a way because it's like as a producer, you know, your job is to just make sure that whatever comes out of this thing at the end is like the highest quality thing. And if there's something that you sense is, I, I think just taking like a 360 view or like the, the 30,000 foot view is like in one example, he heard something that he thought was awesome, but it was just a tiny little bit of a song. And he was like, okay, wait a minute. He says to himself as a producer, this artist's best thing is this little thing that has to be a whole song, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's almost like damage control, you know, it's like, wait a minute, this could be a hit or this could be the cult classic song, but it's not a song. It's just the bridge of this. It's just a tiny little bridge or it's just a tiny little end section of a whole nother song that somebody might not even get to when in actuality, it should be the whole song and yeah. it should be the first track on the whole record. Yeah, it is cool. They're like, they're like, you know, I keep making them reference to like art director. They're kind of like that. They're like, well, that part doesn't belong in the song. That part rocks. Like, it's an asset. You know, let's take that and, and use it. Just, you know, let's frame it in the right place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I, I always think these dialogues are. The di I love the questions because I love the the I, I love the idea of going back through this book and using it as a reference and producing music with it because I think that's what it's useful for. But I I also like the dialogues because they are sort of like it's almost like the story, you know. Like is it, if you were going to tell a story about music production, it would be in the form of these dialogues because that's where. Yeah. It, the rubber hits the road in a way. Yeah, I find them to be very, yeah, very helpful and inspiring too. You know, I just dig uh, the way he, even at the end of this one, the suggestions he made for this dude. Right. Yeah. You know, like, but you know, if you're stuck, well, you know, you got like, there's tons of ways to unlock it, and he's got some good suggestions there. You know, and I think that could trickle down from him to us to anyone else. I, I agree, actually. I thought I was, I was inspired by that section. And there was a little section that you actually read about what inspires you. And that was something that I underlined because I was thinking, well, I should have a whole, I should have a list of things that inspire me if I really want to be an artist. That's the one thing that I need to cultivate is a list of things that inspire me because I might need inspiration to make music and I can't, just sit around and wait for it. You know, if I want to be an artist, I have to systematize like 
becoming inspired. So what are the things that inspire me, you know? And I hadn't actually thought of, like, what exactly does inspire me? I don't know. Is it reading books? Is it listening to other music? Is it watching movies? You know, it's like, I don't know, you know? I don't have a good sense of it. You should. I think it's, like, really important for uh, the, for an artist or a musician to define themselves. Like, you know, that's totally the identity. If there's a genre of books you like or a certain writer, I think that uh, it's really cool to, uh, to acknowledge that. And then that's kind of like a whole, a whole other uh, bouquet uh, of flowers to, like, pick from, you know, or a garden mm-hmm. of flowers to pick from Mm -hmm. Um, you know because you could be like well I love the way he does that uh, when this writer writes like that or you know makes you know and it's like well I'm I want to write my lyrics and it's just you know and and I think it really helps when you're writing like that people can even if you ghostwrite something people can hear that sort of thing in your work Mm -hmm. so yeah I think it's uber important more lists man we got to make some more lists now huh I guess so <laughs> so look, we're we're at thirty, we're beyond thirty. So let's um let's wrap it and uh okay. let's, you know we'll do it again next week or whatever. Okay, cool. We got our homework. Yeah. Uh, all, right. all right. So everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, like and subscribe. Leave a rating review. Um, you know, send us a message. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that crap. <clears throat> Go check out Justin's project. Dirty Dude Apothecary, Works All Natural, WorksNatural.com. Links will be in the description. Um, and, uh, and Blank Baby. Uh, go listen to Justin's music. And, uh, and that's it. Thanks. Later, Keith. See ya.